rise and shine. And thank you so much for tuning into the Sit Down and Talk Show. As always, I'm your host, Shanice Talia Williams. Today, we will be deep diving into the challenging conversation of hate language, what it sounds like, what it feels like, and how we're using it. Let's jump right in. So obviously, what made me think about this topic is, of course, Kanye West and now the whole label of anti-Semitism and this mass cancellation of him, which we saw was that never really happened when he said white lives matter, because that had nothing to do with anti-Semitism. So I want to really talk more about the anti in front of the Semitism and why I want to address hate language. So we have terms like anti-Semitism, anti-racist, um, anti-Black, anti-woman. We always go straight for hate language. We go and we uplift and we empower things that we are anti, things that we are opposed to, things that we are against. But while we're doing that, we are centering what it is we are against instead of uplifting, empowering, and vocalizing what we stand for. So why is that important? Because it's literally a tool created by respectability politics to avoid people having to actually stand on something. And the cliche is what? If you stand for nothing, you you fall for everything. So what I'm finding is everyone has been falling for hate. No one is falling for love. No one is standing for love. Everyone is falling for hate. And what I mean by falling for hate is everyone is so ready and up in arms to stand up against anti this, anti that. I am and so easily ready to label themselves a hater by calling themselves an anti-racist. So let's break down the term, term anti-racist. I actually had to define anti-racism as a part of a project I was working on for my internship. And this is the definition that our coalition landed on. Defining anti-racism. Anti-racism is the actions and practices used to challenge and transform beliefs, ideas, behaviors, policies, institutions, and systems that support forms of white supremacy, racism, and the oppression of Black people and other groups who have been historically marginalized. Applying anti-racism to our systems shift power, voice, and perspective to the lived experiences of communities of color with a commitment to collective liberation through solutions that justifiably distribute resources and promote self-determination. So that is what we defined anti-racism to be. So in that, the and I had an issue with the term anti-racism when I first heard it, and I the the anti for me to be anti anything is still a form of hate so what we are saying is that we hate racism but instead of reaching and uplifting what we hate how about we talk about what we love why is it so harmful and so wrong for people white people black people orange people i can give a fuck what color you are why are we refusing to call ourselves pro-black because to be pro-black that means that you are centering the joy of black bodies. That means you are centering, it's it's mean literally you are centering blackness. You are centering the empowerment, the uplifting, the building power of 
blackness. The same exact thing that you can say you are doing as an anti-racist is the same exact thing that you will say you are doing if you claim to be pro-black. The difference is you are saying, I love your blackness. I am for your blackness. But you would rather say, I hate a racist than to say, I love blackness. Why is that a thing? Because of respectability politics. You can be anti-racist and still hate black people. You can still be anti-racist and still want to build a wall. So let's be real about why we use hate language. Someone can hate a racist and hate black people simultaneously. So that's why it's easier for respectability politics to speak using hate language than to actually identify what they stand for. Because once somebody tell you what they stand for, now you have to look at, well, are you, per, are you doing actions? Are your behaviors reflective of what you stand for? So that's the thing about hate language. It's so tricky. So to be anti-Semitic means that you are anti-Acadians, you are anti, like, do, okay, let's define Semite for a lot of people because some people have no idea what a Semite even is and how it's impossible for someone of color to be of any color to be anti-Semitic. It's, it's literally an oxymoron. So they try to define a Semite or they've made the language of Semite someone who is a Jew or an Arab, but really Semite is a language, Hebrew, Akkadian, that is what it means to be a Semite. And if you look at Western Asia and Africa, none of those people were genetically white. It's genetically melanated land. So genetically melanated beings are considered, if you are descended of any of those lands, you are considered a Semite. So how are you anti yourself? Because hate language is the key. And if Jews speak Hebrew, whether you are a white Jew, a melanated Jew, or Jewish, if you speak Hebrew, which they make it a thing to learn Hebrew, now they are considered Semites, although technically they were never a part of the Semitic people. So that's the thing about terminology and language. We have to do a better job looking up definitions. We have to do a better job understanding why certain terms are used because if we are focusing on what we are hating, we are never going to promote what we love. We are gonna stay in the frequency of hate. We are gonna stay in the frequency of divisiveness. We are gonna stay in a frequency of lack. We are lacking love for each other. We are lacking the backbone to stand for something. We are lacking the, the power it takes to actually make a difference when you stand for something. So it's a lot of lack energy going on right now. And I want to also point out the fact that we see Kanye speaking what he feels is his truth. Granted, we all have the right to speak what it is that we want to speak. The reason that he is being canceled is because the people he is speaking against have the most power, the most money, and the most control. That's just, that's all to it. Now, if Kanye would have came out and talked about how pro-black he was, that never would have gotten him canceled. 
But the thing about Kanye was he knew exactly what would get him canceled. The scenario I keep using is my dad loved to play golf. I hated it. Why? Because I love to talk and there's no talking on golf courses. So it's oppressive for me because I, anytime I would try to ask a question about the game or anything else, it's shh, 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 shh all the fucking time. Why do I want to go somewhere where there's no fun for me? I, no one even lets me speak there. Like, why do I want to go play golf? I hate it there. So whenever it would come time to go play golf, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to go, uh, you know, putting. We're going to go hit some some balls and stuff. I do something really fucked up to get in trouble. So I'd be on punishment. So he would make sure that I was unable to go golfing. So the key is to get in trouble, to get on punishment. So I would be unable to leave my room, therefore having to forfeit golf. And in that, I really was the winner. Because one, whatever I did to break the rules is some shit I wanted to do anyway. So I finally got to do something I wanted to do and found an out to break a rule. So boom, I win by breaking a rule. And then two, I never wanted to go golfing anyway. So I get to actually sit in my room, which I love to do, read my books, which I love to do, or listen to music, which was great for me. So boom, I had a win-win. I got to do some shit that broke a rule and I got to skip out on golf and the whole time, Everyone thought, oh, you know, she's so upset because she's on punishment. She disappointed us and so forth. When really I was just happy that I had my freedom. I never wanted to go golfing anyway. That was never anything I was interested in. So now apply that same scenario to Kanye. He never wanted to golf anyway. Every time y'all invite him to the golf course, y'all tell him to shut the fuck up and he can't say what he wants to say. So why the fuck do I even want to go golfing with you people? Why do I even want to play golf anyway? This shit sucks. So I'm going to do whatever it takes for me to no longer have to play golf. Even if that means I go against the strongest, most important, richest people in the entire fucking world. If that means that I never have to see a golf course a day in my life, fuck it, so be it. I'd rather be in my room anyway, doing what I love. So we've seen since the Kanye speaking and delivering his truth based on his experience with Jews in the industry which is what I took from it. Did he label all Jews the same way? No, he gave us a history of Jewish finances and Jewish funding. He gave us a history of his experience with Jews in the industry. He gave us his experience. How can we label a man anti-Semitic for giving us his experience with Jewish people? Like his experiences are his lived experiences. That's a form of his truth. We all have a truth. We all have our lived experiences. So based on his experience, if he felt that he wanted to do what he needed to do in order for him to no longer have to play golf, or, you know, that's the analogy I'm using here. So for him to get out of his Adidas contract, which we knew he wanted out of, and beyond getting out of his Adidas contract, he got out of it with the Yeezy trademark, which he owns, and the Yeezy brand, which he owns. Let's have that conversation. No one was buying Yeezys because they were Adidas. They were buying Yeezys because they were Kanye. So if Kanye owns the trademark to Yeezy, if Kanye owns the Yeezy brand, y'all are going to start seeing Yeezys being sold in March. Any leftover Yeezys that Adidas still has that they don't have to turn over to Kanye due to trademarks and so forth. Y'all gonna see them shits being sold for $20 because they want to now devalue the Yeezy brand. 
they're going to send them shits to Marshalls, TJ Maxx. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Yeezy in Target based on Adidas wanting to now make sure that the value of the Yeezy brand is worth nothing because Kanye owns it entirely on his own. There are, there's no other hand brand or name that is owned by the Yeezy brand. So if people were buying Yeezys because they were Kanye and never because they were Adidas, of course, Adidas is going to do everything in their power to now make sure that Yeezys are worthless because they get nothing from it. I'm going to call out everybody in this situation. Wrong is wrong at this point. There is no more gray area. There is no more, well, maybe, no, because that is that I'm falling for anything shit and I'm going to stand on mine and I'm going to stand 10. Hell, I'm going to stand 20. I got 10 toes and I got 10 fingers. I stand on all fours because at this point, if this can happen to Kanye for speaking about his experience, this could happen to anybody because People will treat you like anything. And then when you speak up and you just tell the story of how you were treated, now you are wrong. Now this is hate speech. Now this should never, this is a story that should never be told because your abusers are being, you're empowering them. I really wish that we would have gotten Kanye's truth in a form of narrative and storytelling outside of the chaotic messiness that is his relationship with Kim outside of the like I'm so grateful for the occult truths that were provided as far as a lot of y'all probably have no idea why he calls Pete Davidson Skeet Davidson and it has everything to do with the rituals that deal with men's ejaculations and the way that Pete Davidson goes about maintaining his career allegedly but that's a conversation for another day but Y'all have to listen to Kanye speak and listen for hidden truths versus blatant truths. It takes a little bit more of an occult magician's ear to understand some of what Kanye is delivering and why it is imperative that certain people cancel him before he starts to talk too much or say too much or provide us too much truth that may lead us to stand for something. Right now, they are banking on us hating everything, hating, hating, hating. But what Kanye led me to was to love, to be quite honest, to what am I pro? Everybody's out here talking about anti this, anti that. What am I for? What am I pro? I am pro-blackness. I am pro-love. I am pro-liberation. I am pro-equity. I am pro-equality. I am pro all of the things that will make my life better for me personally. And that's where a lot of us fail. We all want to be a part of a community. We want to protect our tribe. We want to protect and do so much for other people. But the fact of the matter is, how are you leading yourself? How have you liberated yourself? The things that you are trying to provide and the ways you are trying to serve for other people, how have you in fact served yourself that way? It starts with you. It starts with what do you stand for? Who do you serve? And that is where Kanye fucked up. Who he served and who he stood for for a long time brought him a lot of monetary gains, a lot of power. He's He was a Frankenstein. They literally created the monster that is Kanye West. But the thing about giving people the power to create you, you also give them the power to destroy you. So what we are witnessing is Kanye being destroyed by the people who he gave power to give him the creation of Kanye West. So now he is denouncing his own self 
because they own Kanye West and he is now being rebirthed as Ye, as a liberated being, someone who is in control of himself, in control of his speech and in control of his mind. And that comes with deconditioning yourself, deconditioning yourself from hate. And the only way for him to free himself from the pattern of hate is to perpetuate more hate. And he knew if he perpetuated the right hate, he would be free of his creator. He would be canceled. And that's exactly what we're witnessing. Call him a genius, call him a bigot, call him whatever you want. But the last thing you're going to call him is a slave. He did tell us in his opinion, slavery was a choice. So now let's apply that to him directly. He was somebody's slave. Apparently he was a slave for Adidas. Apparently he was a slave for Balenciaga. He was a slave for Gap. He was a slave for all these people that are now canceling him. He said he wanted out, but when he wanted out, they never treated him like a free man. They treated him like a fucking slave. So he took the most drastic measures he possibly could to get himself on punishment so he didn't have to go play golf. He got canceled purposely. Now, I think he's backpedaling because he feels like he may have perpetuated harm. That I can see. He very well was feeling remorse that he may have hurt some people in the in the process. He may have lost some friends in the process because they're unable to stand. They're unable to have as sturdy of a backbone as some of us, some people. So I can see there being survivor's guilt, survivor's remorse for being able to actually speak your truth when you know there are so many slaves still trapped and left behind. But I wonder if Harriet Tubman ever felt bad because she was unable to free everybody or was she just grateful for the people who she was able to free? And that's how I'm kind of looking at this situation right now. Even if Kanye only freed one person from the, the grips of being a slave to the industry, even if that one person was himself, he's free. He could have stayed and shut the fuck up and been a billionaire. He could have kept letting Adidas steal his designs and ideas. He could have kept letting the industry poach his people. He could have easily shut the fuck up and literally lived his life with Kim Kardashian, allowing her to do whatever she wanted with the kids and make all the decisions, kept his money and shut the fuck up and, until he died. But then that slavery would have been a choice, right? And I think that's the point he was trying to make was that even in times of severe oppression, even in times of constraint and restraint of your body, even in times of conditioning that you are worthless, that you are hopeless, if you ever see a glimpse of light and you choose to look away, that is a choice. If you ever see a glimpse of freedom and you choose to cower in fear, that is a choice. If you ever see someone reaching out a hand for you saying, come with me, I know the way to freedom. And you say, but master said, that is a choice. Whether it is a choice made by your condition, rooted in your conditioning, rooted in your fear, rooted in your doubt, it is still a choice. To think that any of us are removed from free will is absolutely insane to me. It will never land the way y'all think it lands that, well, the master this, the master that, because it's impossible for me to ever think of anyone having that much control over me and me choosing to live. That's it for me. That That's it. Because at the end of the day, 
there there were glimpses of light there were people who found freedom in slavery do we always hear the stories of them no but i was privileged enough to have my family history and to know that i came from abolitionists i came from free people on one side of my family who actually worked with the ame church circuit and harriet tubman two free slaves so there were working ways to find freedom during slavery there were people who were hell-bent on being free or else. They made a choice that even if I have to wake up every morning and work these fucking fields from 3 a.m. to 2 a.m., from 2 a.m. to 3 a.m., what is sleep? I am planning. I am strategizing. I am finding my way to freedom by any means necessary. And that's what I think a lot of people are forgetting is that as long as you have a brain, as long as you are physically in control of your body, you got a choice. No matter what the circumstance is, you have a choice. The question is, how powerful do you feel? Now, were we powerless? Some of us, most of us, yes. Are, are we powerless now? Some of us, most of us, yes. But do we have to stay that way? No. It's literally a change of mind. It's literally a change of language. It's a change of course. Change your mind. Well, change your language first. We have to stop with the anti-language. Talk about what you love. Be pro-freedom. Be pro-liberation. We pro-choice. That's the only thing we talk about is when it comes to killing babies and being pro-choice. That's the only pro that we have. I'm pro that, what are we pro? Tell me what you pro versus what you anti, and then let's have a conversation about where we can go from there. Because when you start to change your language, you will then change your mind. And once you change your mind, you will change your behaviors. Once you change your behaviors, you now change your habits. Once you change your habits, you've changed your character. And that's what we all need is a character shift from hate to love, and then to chase that love relentlessly. If you love freedom, you got to chase it relentlessly. If you love liberation, you got to chase it relentlessly. If you love blackness, you have to chase it relentlessly. Thank y'all so much for listening. And I will be back with another episode one of these days. <laughs> love and, and peace to y'all.